0: All right, you're back in the DFSR. It's an NBA podcast. It's Wednesday. It's October 30th. I'm Doug Norrie. That is James Davis, and we are back. It's the day before Halloween, but buddy, tonight for you, it is Halloween with your with uh in the in the old neighborhood, huh? Trick or treating tonight. What, what's with these towns? Why can't why can't towns keep it <laughs> consistent? Is like is is trick or treating such a thing where like you need to maximize your full candy potential, and that's why they. Talents just coordinate to have it on different days. Like, there's no other reason for, it, right? Like, it's just a Wednesday. What? What? Why is Wednesday different than Thursday? Why can't you be around for basketball tonight? Um, <laughs> that you need to
1: get. That you need to go trick or treating with your kids. Well, first of all, let's let's clarify because it makes <laughs> the way you just said it makes it sound like my top priority is going trick or treating tonight. I was going to work tonight, but as you know, my neighborhood absolutely lit on fire for trick or treating, and we're gonna have a ton of people over absolutely canvassing this neighborhood getting all the free candy my three-year-old can eat he already went to the downtown trick-or-treating two different ones this weekend so we're getting absolutely loaded up Doug this is uh this is really the time and yeah I I don't know are the towns trying to coordinate to do it on the same night or different nights because if it's different nights that's just psychotic like why do we need do my kids need to go on like like a long weekend of trick-or-treating where they go three different times in three different towns. Like, I, I wonder if they're trying to coordinate to have it on the same night. But I don't know. Who knows, it's, a, it's a mess. So you're not going to be around. I'll be on the
0: basketball system tonight. That's all that anyone cares about. But that's okay, buddy, because the basketball system, what, that's true. when I'm around that basketball system for the most part this year, this bad boy. Whoa! This bad boy, hold on a second. A
1: now, that was a that was a backhanded uh, observation. When I'm around on the back. Well, I can't speak for the system. It's been insane. I can't speak for the nights you're on because I'm not really <laughs> around. So I'm I'm only
0: speaking for myself. Okay,
1: so we're uh, we're one and two on the nights where I've been around so far. And I think you've won every time. There we go. I'm defeated. So there you go. (laughs) DFSR.com slash deals is going to get you started.
0: Uh, My sound sounds a little weird today. I'm in like a slightly different podcasting situation. So thanks for bearing with us as we uh, deal Mm -hmm. I'm dealing with some sound stuff. So I sound a little echoey. I've tried to minimize it as much as possible. Uh, I've I've done as much as I can. And we're just going to move on because it was better to have a podcast than to have one that... Where the sound was not optimal so we're gonna roll through uh, we're gonna roll through game by game massive wednesday slate coming off i'm still riding high and the lineups the cash with Tra- a Trey young injury and a lebron getting outshined by anthony davis who put up a 40 and 20 in three quarters last night against memphis um so uh lineup still got there even despite not having davis and having Trey young get hurt in the first five minutes of the game so I feel like I can I feel like the system right now for the way we're doing it can just kind of do in no a wrong famous last words we'll probably go uh you know probably jinx ourselves but we have a big slate here a bunch of injury stuff I want to get your opinion on uh just a bunch of like new sort of season stuff I kind of want to pick your brain on too because we're just still in this kind of situation unlike we've ever seen before trying to evaluate what's for real and what's not at this point um with the NBA, some of these games are going to mean a little bit more. So we'll roll through these games one by one, talk about the injuries, talk about this, the different DFS plays. First one is the Knicks going and play the Magic. Magic a nine-point home favorites against a Knicks team that is – looks like they're going to be still without Dennis Smith Jr. Uh, he had a death in the family, so he's sitting out. They're also going to be without Alfred Payton. They started Lonzo Trier for a minute at point guard, and that guy doesn't play. David Fisdell's is an absolute mess with these rotations. It does look like Frankie Delina is going to play – And start a point guard. I'm not sure it really matters. And then on the other side, you have Vooch. Um, I want to get your opinion here. Vooch has started the season really, really bad. Um, But is he like one of these guys that could we be buying low on a dude who was basically just like a 9,000 plus player on lock last season? It seems like he's just having efficiency problems. Uh, Give me your thoughts on this game.
1: Yeah, Early season in the NBA is really the time to get the best values in my experience for two reasons. First, sometimes... Uh, The sites don't know how to properly price players in new situations. And second of all, they are quicker to correct pricing based on, you know, in Vooch's case, I've had three games, you know, two of which he played 25 and 31 minutes respectively. So I wouldn't be, you know, pouring any dirt on Vooch just yet. I will say like 8,500, while it's cheaper than the $9,000 peaks he's hit in the past, it's also not like absurdly cheap in my opinion. Um, Like I think most of the times we've actually played him is when he's dipped down, into the low eight thousands, uh, solid matchup here with the Knicks. Nothing, you know, to write home about necessarily, but uh, I could see him doing it. I guess like we're the one game into a ten game slate, so I'm I'm gonna reserve, I'm gonna reserve my like cash game call on this just yet. Like I, I I'm hoping to do better. I guess is what I'm gonna say as I first see this, because while early season you can get some value uh, in guys that have changed situations or you know have run a little bit bad, you can also get burned. You know sometimes players start the season is just way too high priced and they never fall back into value range so uh interesting big tournament target i don't know if i would want to start my cash game lineups with him just yeah the case against them is that center as we're going to see
0: as we roll through some of these games center does have a lot of pretty uh solid names on it we'll get to the big one coming up in a second only other thoughts here, RJ Barrett has just played a million minutes uh, yeah. for the Knicks to start the season. He was one of our underowned cash game plays the other night, really capitalized on the fact that he's just a volume guy at this point. If they're gonna play him 37, 38 minutes a game for a rookie, again, just like uh, just these are just insane ideas. But um in negligent. It just is totally <laughs> negligent. It's um it's just a mistake. Anyway, Fisdale just doesn't Fizdale has problems with this, whatever. So if you like buying in the minutes upside, if you think Jonathan Isaac's minutes Uh, Like last game or in the mid-30s, I think he has some value too. Otherwise, not really a game I'm targeting.
1: I do want to say with Barrett real quick, like you said, he's a volume guy. He's just flat out really, really, really good. Like you don't see guys coming out of their freshman year in college. And granted, small sample size, but if you're playing 37 minutes a game, it's actually not that small. Shooting 49.2% from the field, 46.7% from three He's been outrageous. Like, and actually, you could argue, I actually, embarrassingly off the top of my head, I don't know what his free throws were like in college. He's been terrible from the line so far this season, shooting 44%. 44%. Um, but like, he just might be one of the best rookies ever if he keeps this up. Well, you know what's so interesting? I'm certainly I, watching him very closely for a lot of reasons.
0: It's, you'd hate to see that if it ended up being like this Zion to Barrett. I know that what it was, it was the, he was the third pick, not the second. But like, if Zion just... Yeah. It's just this injury guy going forward. And Ja and uh, Ja Morant and RJ were the next two guys. Yeah, he's been awesome No no one, would ever flat, no one would ever fault these guys for taking him. I hope it doesn't end no, up being this no. situation. But uh, Barrett, I've watched a bunch of Knicks games just because. Um, I'm just interested by them. I took them out. I took their wins over, so I just, I'm just i really rooting for them right now. Um, he's been about the only thing that's looked even competent. The rest of them, uh, like Julius Randle, has been a total mess. I, saw, I looked at this the other day. Julius Randle uh, is among the lead leaner, leader leaner in turnovers, but all the other guys are the primary ball handlers for their team. So it's like Harden, Giannis, Simmons, like the, uh, Kyrie, or the other... Yeah, like the, not great. These are the other... Not, actually, that wasn't Kyrie, uh, leading turnover guys. Then you get Julius Randle just jammed in there, just like top of the key, bullying his way down the thing, and then just chucking the ball out of bounds. So he's done that a ton this year. Uh, okay, 7 o'clock game, Minnesota and Philly. Carl anthony Towns for greatest player of all time. Like this guy just became... Basically, James Harden from a center. He's taking 10 three-pointers a game. He's knocking down a 52% from three through the first three games. Um, He's he's averaging 32 points and 13 rebounds to start the season. And he's doing like step-back three-pointers. He's doing like off-the-dribble kind of stuff. Like this isn't just top-of-the-key pick-and-pop stuff. This is like iso ball where he takes like the dribble drive step back and buries a three. I don't feel like he's going to continue this kind of efficiency. But he's also just become a totally sort of like different player on this next leap ahead. He's twenty. This guy's twenty three years old, Um, and again, he's seven feet tall and averaging and shooting fifty two percent from three. Uh, Like, what do we even do with this guy? This is one of these guys. Like, I've already slightly adjusted his projection, and I feel like I'm not even close to having done it enough. Like this, I don't know. What are your thoughts here on Towns? He's had as good of an opening season as you could ever have hoped for for any player, like ever. It's unbelievable.
1: Yeah, he's basically Shaq mixed with Dirk Nowitzki, so that's uh, that winds up being a pretty good value. Now I will say, bringing him up against one of the best defenses in the league, likely in Philly, is a little bit scary. Um, like if any team is equipped to deal with Towns' inside-outside game, uh, just on the basis of you know switches and his length and all that stuff, Philly you would think is the team that could do it. But yeah, like the I mean, the absolutely outrageous combination of. 13 rebounds a game and 50% on 10 threes a game is just something that you probably won't see ever. Uh, I suppose as just everyone keeps practicing three-pointers more, like we're bound to see a tall man shoot super, super, super well uh, more often. But yeah, it's, it's mostly been a pleasure to watch. I mean, do you think you want to invest in him in cash games? At eleven eight against a tough Philly defense. No, or you but just no, more, but he's sub ten thousand. Pointing out the novelty of it so far. No,
0: no. See, but he's sub ten thousand on DraftKings. He's ninety nine hundred. I think that's a lock. Oh uh, um, yeah, yeah.
1: You'll play him on DraftKings. I think. Like,
0: um, I think that's just a lock price. I don't think you need to do it on Fanduel. Um, although I do have a couple question marks around some of the at least the t- centers that we're populating into lineups right now. Um, so yeah. yeah, but at sub ten thousand, I think you do it even with the matchup against him beating Horford. Like and like you said, they're gonna throw more at him in terms of size than any other team has so far. Timberwolves sneaky three and zero to start the season, by the way. Um, but the mm-hmm. I think that the price just dictates that you could even have. What's going to be a dip in the three point efficiency for sure? Like, he's just not going to be a 52% three point shooter. But this guy's also shot 40% over the last two years. So he just is a good shooter. Um, And so, yeah, a great shooter. Yeah, no, great shooter. He's just great. Like, he's just like, the, we could be staring at him as like an MVP candidate when it comes down to the end of the season. I know it's very early, but if like, Sometimes you can just see scheme early on. And if this is just going to be the scheme, then like his numbers just might be so robust that I don't know, we're going to be looking at, we're going to be looking at something really, really pretty awesome by the end of the year. Uh, Philly gets, is getting healthy here and B came back and played last game. Um, It's kind of tough to play any of these guys. I feel like, I don't know about you. I would probably go past it, but Philly feels like a team to me in DFS that I kind of want to have someone out before I start playing anybody from their team. Is that fair? Is that like a fair, just kind of like high level statement about the team? I, I'm not interested, but they're fully healthy. Yeah, so
1: you start, with, you start with two things, two marks against Philly. First of all, the returning all guys that have been DFS relevant in the past, so they're all priced appropriately to start this season. Uh, a similar roster, obviously not entirely the same, but some of the pieces that have moved around. So, like, you know, you lose Reddick, you get Josh Richardson, right? So, yeah, that matters, but it doesn't really matter that much. <laughs> like, Richardson in a lot of ways, even if he contributes in other categories, um, he's kind of filling a similar role. So... I think ultimately you're right. Um, And oh, and the other piece is that they all play huge minutes. So when you play huge minutes, when you start relatively appropriately priced, you're going to have a high floor, but you're not going to have great value typically, Uh, because typically value in DFS NBA comes from, you know, moving into the starting lineup when you weren't there. Um, Maybe you have erratic minutes because you're in a lot of blowouts, but now this game rates to be close. Uh, Maybe you've been getting in foul trouble randomly, you know, so I just don't think I'm not seeing it on the Philly side right now outside of when they're in absolutely phenomenal matchups, but uh, that's not necessarily the case here.
0: Yeah, no, I don't think that's the case here. Like Minnesota's been decent on defense this year. Like Getting Covington and Towns there together is just a pretty good defensive pairing. Uh, And like I said, Minnesota's just been a little bit better than expected to start the season. Let's take a quick break to give a shout-out to our sponsors. First is mybookie.ag best betting site around you know james and i are talking uh when we're talking bets for football and basketball we're always talking about the lines we're getting on mybookie.ag right now you use the promo code overtime o-v-e-r-t-i-m-e gonna give you a first deposit bonus of up to a hundred dollars gotta be a first time depositor and you have to use that promo code Overtime. mybookie.ag you play you win you get paid also gotta check out our friends over at vivid seats the best app Buying tickets, whether it's a basketball game you want to check out this week over the weekend, uh, you're looking for last minute tickets there, concerts, you got to use Vivid Seats. You use the promo code Overtime. That's going to get you up to $100 back on your first ticket purchase. Also, going to get you automatically enrolled into their great rewards program. So, check out Vivid Seats. Use the promo code Overtime. It lets you know, lets them know that we've sent you along. Great sponsor of the podcast, only app that we're using to buy tickets. Go check out Vivid Seats. Download the app today. Chicago goes in and plays Cleveland, a game that you're not turning on League Pass for sure uh, at seven o'clock. But um, two teams that have been playing pretty bad. Don't tell
1: me what I'm going to do. You don't. Know, you don't know what I'm going to be watching on League Pass while I'm walking around trick or treating. I was. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad you added that last piece in about the, about the trick or treating because <laughs> I, I was going to say that first. Uh,
0: Chicago is one and a half point road favorites, coming off a loss to the Knicks, allowed the, in in the Madison Square Garden the other day. The Knicks got their first win against them. They did have some decent guys. Wendell Carter Jr. was pretty good. Zach Levine, obviously, is a candidate for high volume. Uh, And then on the Cleveland side, I'm not really sure what we're getting here. Uh, Kevin Loves played low 30s minutes. They've thrown Tristan Thompson out there. They have the two rookies in Sexton and Garland. Sorry, Sexton's not a rookie. The the rookie in Garland and then second-year guy in Sexton. Not that interesting of a game for me here. Both teams are bad at defense, but both play kind of slow pace as well. So I don't think we're getting a volume uptick from either of these teams.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm certainly there with you. I don't. These aren't two teams that I'm going to want to target. If Philly is too boring and too safe, uh, Cleveland is too erratic and too insane. <laughs> so I don't I don't really want to touch them. And the Bulls, you know, they're they're actual you know good DFS players. Guys like Zach Levine. He actually falls into the same category as those Philly guys we discussed, where he was locked down on eight thousand last year. He's eight thousand again right now, averaging thirty seven fantasy points a game. It means you're going to take him in his great matchups occasionally and you're often just going to leave him on the sidelines. And on big slates, the thing I always want to emphasize here, you know, because people will come into our chat inevitably tonight and they're going to say to you, Doug, why do you hate Zach Levine? Or like, why does this system so down on Zach Levine? And it's like, the system's not down on Zach Levine, actually. It's, you know, the system likes Zach Levine just fine. It's that you only have to play two guys per position. So if I ever feel like I'm throwing cold water on things, uh, that's really the major reason why. And Zach Levine currently uh, 6 in terms of points per dollar and shooting guards on FanDuel, and that leaves him well outside of our top overall lineups. So, yeah, it's the way of the road, and, uh, you know, decent play, but nothing to write home about.
0: I kinda of wanna keep making cases for Laurie Marking but he makes it tough. He just doesn't play enough minutes. Um, or just hasn't been playing enough minutes. So I liked him against the Knicks the other night, but if I didn't but yeah. didn't ultimately get there with him great on a points Knicks, per minute basis. Yeah, he just like, he just can't like the 32 minutes. It just kind of feels like that's kind of it for him. So and like I said, Cleveland just uh yeah. too too much of just kind of a train wrecky sort of team. Detroit goes in and plays Toronto. This game is a pretty low total for this late, two twelve and a half, with Toronto eight and a half point favorites. Uh, Detroit, injury news here, Detroit is still going to be without Reggie Jackson. They've been starting Tim Frazier, though he's been playing limited minutes. They bring in Derrick Rose off the bench. The guy that's been playing a million minutes and just... He was crazy chalk. We ended up fading him the other night. Thankfully, he ended up being not that great. Um, we played Julio Loca for as a punt play, and then did, faded a, a Drummond. And then ended up working out. But Drummond, averaging you know more than 35 minutes a game, averaging a 21 and 16 line to start the season with two, po- <laughs> two point three blocks and one point five assists to start the year. He's been about as good, you know, outside of Carl Anthony Towns, about as good as you can get. Um, from a fantasy perspective, are you worried here with a bad matchup against Toronto and even possibly a blowout with the eight and a half point road dog? Where do you land here on Towns? Kind of ends up being one of those centers that I do find interesting, mostly because the minutes floor has been so high.
1: Yeah, so it's a fair price, and that's not really where we want to be, right? On big slates, I usually like to feel like I'm getting away with something, whether it's a phenomenal matchup or you know, an underpriced commodity. And we're not really getting either with Drummond here. The other thing about Drummond, you know, foul trouble can be a concern from time to time against disciplined good teams like Toronto. uh, That can be an issue. And the other piece is taking big men on the wrong side of big spreads. You know, the first people to lose their minutes and opportunity are bigs that don't shoot. And Drummond is both of those. So excellent play when he's going to be in close games, when he can be doing his thing, wreaking havoc on the boards, you know, getting those stops defensively. When his team is trailing, the possessions need to get faster. You know, they need to involve more three-pointers. That's when he can start to disappear on you a little bit. You know, really in the season, we haven't really had, uh, you know, many games like that that have happened for Drummond. Uh, The one game we saw him completely disappear uh, was against Philly, though, right? So I don't know if Toronto's going to be as tough as Philly on defense, but this is the type of variance you introduce into your life when you play Drummond. Uh, He can go from 36 minutes against Atlanta to 24 minutes and not – He can go there more quickly than many plays can. So I think for that reason, again, big slate, he's not going to be the one guy that I choose from this position to play in my cash game lineups. On the
0: Toronto side, the guards have been playing a million minutes to start the season. Lowry's averaging 39 minutes. I think they have an overtime game in here, but still, Lowry averaging 30. Lowry and Van Vleet are both averaging 39 minutes per game. Then you have Siakam averaging 35 minutes per game. You know, where do we want to end up landing on? their minutes projection, because if you start bumping guys like Van Vliet up to like 37 minutes or Lowry up to 37, 38 minutes, and it's not like they have a ton of options at guard either. Like in the past, they had Kawhi there, they had Danny Green there. I get that these aren't guards, but they were kind of wing heavy guys um, that you could sort of slot in at times. Um, What do we want to land on their ultimate minutes projection? Because some of them, you know, Van Vliet actually looks like a pretty good DraftKings play. If you think he's going to play 36, 37 minutes, I'm just not sure I feel totally comfortable going there only because it's very rare for players to land at these kind of minutes over the course of a season.
1: I do think there's something to Toronto trying to, you know, back up this defending champs sort of beginning to the season, right? Because I, I can't really figure out any other reason why they would just run out of the gate at 36 plus minutes for these guys that are going to have to ultimately last a pretty long season. But they've done it so far and it's really worked. You know, Toronto, uh, best point differential in the East right now. Uh, In spite of actually a couple tough matchups, like you said, it's going to be on the backs of Van Vliet, Lowry, and Siakam offensively, and I think they're all still, like where we talked about Philly being relatively established in their roles coming into the season, Toronto for me was sort of the opposite, where uh, they were established in a previously worse role with Kawhi around, and with Kawhi out of the picture, uh, they've all inherited you know more shots more minutes and so on and so the price has come back up the real question is has it come back up far enough and like you said on the DraftKings price on Van Vliet I'm not so sure that it has so I can absolutely see playing him here I don't know that I want to run it out on FanDuel at 7k or Lowry at 8k like that seems a little bit more speculative to me although I do think you're getting a pretty high floor there and I wouldn't run away from it either.
0: Yeah, um, I think that's where I land too. I think Siakam, I think actually the plan is to play Siakam these minutes as well. He's just been in a little bit of foul trouble in the last couple games. I think that like the plan is to get him like in that 36, 37 minutes just because he's just, maybe they're just their best player at this point, but he just hasn't been able to do it because of the fouls. This is a slightly better situation for him just because Detroit is not as good on offense as the teams they played as either. So um, I think I could be talking to Siakam too, although I just get worried because you can just be a person that fouls too much, especially when the defensive onus is on you. We've seen this with Jaron Jackson and guys like this. Like Sometimes fouls just keep guys off the court in a way that they just don't for others, and Siakam does feel like he's trending in, sort of in that direction. A game that you will want to probably tune into is Milwaukee at Boston. Milwaukee, two-and-a-half-point road favorites against the Boston team. It's played in a lot of weird games so far. Um, I'm actually wondering what your opinion is. On the minutes on these Boston guys. They've been played on two sides of blowouts so far, where the wings, Hayward, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, have sort of like lost minutes, even Kemba as well. I really want to be very bullish on their minutes. I feel like the Boston plan is to play these guys a lot. Like this is just their core guys now. It's the Kemba, uh, Kemba Jalen Brown, Tatum, and Hayward. And maybe we could tier them a little bit, but. I kind of want to be really aggressive on all their minutes, and they just haven't given the case to do it so far because they played in some weird matchups. But if you bump them to like 35,
1: 36 minutes each, they end up looking like cash game plays. Thoughts on this game? Yeah, so the only normal game script that Boston has played in this year has been against Toronto, and I think that's the game early on. You know, oftentimes when we're setting our minutes, people often ask us, like, how we get so precise and so close on projecting players' minutes is that you don't want to look at every game. You want to look at the games that rate to be like the game they're about to play. So I think the Toronto game, a reasonable proxy there. Uh, Final score was 112-106. to Boston had the fourth quarter comeback uh, that saw them winning the game. Uh, They were down six going into the fourth quarter, so certainly motivated to run out their good players. And in that game, those starters that you mentioned – uh, Played 35 or more minutes so Tatum 35, Hayward 37, Brown 38, Kemba 36. Now we also know that Boston it's looking like uh, you know they do have some reasonable options coming off the bench especially Marcus Smart who can come in and, and almost steal minutes from any of these guys depending on what the other team is rolling out there and so for that reason I do think you want to look at the matchup and try to figure out if it's going to be one of those closer games they may be presenting a little bit less safety on a game to game basis but just in in a vacuum i think that the target minutes for these boston guys is in that mid 35 mid 30s range and so, for that reason, yeah, I, I could certainly see playing them in cashier. Yeah,
0: I think that's what it is. Now, I will say our system has been a little high on Boston in general across the board. It's the only thing that has me a little bit worried about some of like their baseline stuff. Is that you know we trend up and over some of the Vegas implied totals. We don't model off the Vegas total, um, but I use it. To, we just use it to do a sanity check at times on a certain team. Boston is a team that we've been consistently over on, and so um, that's the only thing that maybe makes me feel like we haven't just redistributed enough of the overall usage and actual scoring to the guys that it's actually gonna happen. And we and we also just might not have enough of a baseline for what that looks like with these guys either. So it's like, and that's the problem when you play in these weird game scripts to start the season is you just don't get a really good clue like we have with some of these other teams. You know, like you look at we'll get to a team in in a second that I think we do have a good clue on. Um, that's my only issue with Boston right now, too. So that's, that's the part of me that wants to take a little bit of a wait and see approach. And them. Uh, thoughts, on the, thoughts on the bucks real quick. Uh, Giannis is typically the only place we want to go here. I'm still worried that their plan is to just monitor his minutes over the course of the season. I think they look at the East and say, we're going to be in the playoffs. No matter what, we'll probably just finish high the East anyway. There's no reason to tax this guy. Although they did play him kind of a lot of minutes, I think, the other night against the Rockets. Any thoughts on Giannis as a, as a spend-up option here, or just do you not see him going there in this
1: sleep? I'd rather not. I mean, two games a season, under 30 minutes, including that game. Should have been like a showdown game against Houston. Obviously, when it comes together, it can really come together on Giannis, even on these prices, right? I mean, two games with 65 or more fantasy points in his first three. So, huge upside option. Uh, the game rates to be relatively close. I suppose I could see it going there. Uh, but again, you know, tough defensive matchup, and if he, like Drummond, is one of these guys that in close games he's going to be, or in not as close games, he's going to be one of the first men down, that is a little scary. So, I could see playing Jonas. I think he's a reasonable pay-up option, and, you know, again, we haven't talked about a lot of the other guys, but if I compared him to someone, say, like Towns, I think I'd rather have Jonas over Towns. I-, I think that, to me... You know, both with Towns running super hot to start the season, you know, Jonas not running as hot as we've seen him run in the past. Uh, We know that with Brogdon out of the picture, uh, Jonas and Middleton both had over 34% usage with Brogdon off the floor last year. So I think there is still some huge games to come. Again, I don't need to, I don't know that you need to start your lineups with him because we haven't talked about any really great punt plays so far. But if any of those two cheap plays do show up, I could see Jonas being in the final lineups for sure.
0: Yeah, and like, look, on Wednesday morning, we might just not have a great idea of who all the punt plays are. Uh, things just tend to kind of open up over the course of a day. There are some cheaper guys that we can get to and mention uh, shortly, but uh, as it stands, I don't see a ton of those guys right now. Um, and when that's the case, you end up, especially now that Fanduel doesn't have the drop anymore, um, you do end up probably taking more of a mid-tier approach, especially because I do think there's plenty of mid-tier value. 7.30, the second 7.30 game is the Pacers at the Brooklyn Nets. Nets are three and a half point favorites. Um, I will say this is like something of a p- probably panic game for both of these teams. The Nets are one and two to start the season, including an overtime loss to the Grizzlies the other night. And the, p- the Pacers are 0-3, which is two losses against the Pistons and one to the Cavs. So these, these seasons have not started off for these two teams. I don't think the way that they had sort of planned. And there's plenty of just... DFS relevant guys to talk about here. First one's Kyrie. Uh, Kyrie is basically just been handed the keys to a team in the way that he has not have ever had before uh, between the Cleveland and the Pacers. The usage is absolutely insane. He's second only to Harden in shot attempts so far this season. He actually hasn't even been turning the ball over a ton where do we want to land with Kyrie in terms of his projection? Like, uh, we have big usage bumps already on him, and we definitely are not anywhere close to what he's actually shooting per game this season so far.
1: Um, could we still just be kind of low on Kyrie here? It's certainly possible. I think I don't know if you saw any of the buzz around people already being sort of unhappy with Kyrie in Brooklyn. Did uh, I, I hear the buzz? The I'm area, only separate. I'm
0: only the host of the most widely listened to Brooklyn Nets podcast, We Got Nets. Did I hear the buzz? Of course I heard the buzz. I didn't want to make this all about my uh, amazing
1: We Got Nets podcast. but uh, I A couple things there. First of all, co-host. I would call you a co-host of the We Got Nets podcast. And uh, second of all, most widely listened to? I don't know. I, I'm sure it's among the most widely listened yeah, that's to. That's probably not, not true. That's part.
0: not true, but it's okay.
1: Um... <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and say it's not true, but that's okay. Uh, it is still is an excellent uh we got that Net, or net's podcast I'll endorse it right now and say that uh what I told you was that it sounded like uh, local sports talk radio but for smart people so uh that's that's what I enjoyed about it and when I was like a huge fan of local sports back when I lived in that area I, w- I would have tuned in so uh these days I don't days, think there's don't anything, think there's anything to that I
0: always say quick note I don't think there's anything to that
1: Kyrie thing I think it's just like a media kind of thing that they've kind of jumped okay. up um Fair yeah. So on the on the usage piece, though, yes, I, I could absolutely see it continuing. I think he's finally looking at it, like, like, hey, you brought me here, um, you wanted me to do this, you knew who I was, and you wanted to maximize me. Wouldn't shock me if the organization just told him, like, yo, when you come up before KD gets here, just go all in, just do whatever you yeah. want. And I think mathematically, it's correct by the, the way. Like numbers, he's so. putting
0: up numbers like you we saw with Harden, where it's like, if you're going to be this efficient, then just keep doing it. Like that's the way. To, like you should. Like like yeah. the, he's just been that good. Um, I don't think I'm going to play him here against Indiana necessarily with just all these other guys. And like I said, there's a chance that we're just kind of still low on him. He, by the way, his usage kind of makes all the rest of Brooklyn pretty neglig- uh, negligible when it comes to uh, fantasy value. Because just no one outside of like Lavert really does all that much on the team anymore <laughs> now that Kyrie is around. I'm actually a little bit more interested, though, in the Pacers side of this. Now, the Pacers have struggled to start the year. But Turner, 39 minutes a game, TJ Warren, 36, Sabonis, 36 minutes, and Brogdon, 35. That looks like they're going to get Jeremy Lamb back here. We've basically played centers against the Nets for a season plus now. That still very much looks correct. And Turner's like numbers with this new group don't look that good. I mean, they look fine, but it's only because he's playing 39 minutes a game. Like The numbers aren't that much better than last year, even though he's playing 12 more minutes per. And do you think that like we have to make some adjustments on this team... And also, this is one of those teams, like we mentioned with Toronto, that's just playing crazy starters minutes in a way that teams dip, typically don't sustain over the course of the year. How do we want to deal with this Pacers team? Because I kind of love the matchup here against Brooklyn,
1: and I get why our system's doing it. I'm also sort of worried about some of them. Yeah, so I, I think I like playing some Pacers here. You know, Brooklyn... They have some interesting pieces going forward this season. None of those really improve them fundamentally defensively. So I think you could see some big fantasy totals. And if Kyrie's going to be in there, you know, putting up 20 shots a game, 30 shots a game, stuff like that, uh, you know, that can lead to some fast possessions. And I think you could see, again, uh, some big totals going up. I will say, too, one guy. Do you, Let's talk about Malcolm Brogdon real quick because he leaves Milwaukee. They basically invest in Bledsoe instead of Brogdon. Brogdon last year, a 50-43-93 yeah. guy, so absolutely outrageous efficiency. One drum that we beat 10,000 times, which I think is still not totally understood by the mainstream media, by the mainstream casual DFS player, is that for the most part, you are who you are on a per-minute basis, yes. right? And so Brogdon comes out this year, 25% minute bump, and he's the same guy, and, and not only that, He's turns out he's also a super efficient passer, too. So, is Milwaukee... Are they looking at this like a, a James Harden leaving the Rockets thing? That's how I would view it. They right? really screwed and up. You have, they
0: really screwed up. By, by, he's, he, he he
1: should have been their second best player. Yeah. Like, he's he's certainly better. He's I mean, he's a million times better than Bledsoe. But he could be better than Middleton, too. I mean, this guy... If you can be a... I mean, he's not 50 this year because the volume has gone up. But if you're a 48, 44, 94 guy, which is what he could turn up as, with 11 assists a game, like... You're talking about. I mean, it's a surefire all-star, a potential MVP candidate. Like this guy is insane, and uh, I'm I'm super excited. I, I love Brockton's game. I love the efficiency. He's he's now expensive. Like you could get him at six thousand early in the season. He's now eighty two hundred, but he's been an eighty two hundred dollar player. I don't know. What do you think here?
0: If you saw the assist coming, then you crush value on him for the first three games for sure. Um, it was the assist that we, yeah I did not see no neither assist did assist we man. neither <laughs> our system. <laughs> so, and so like this is one of those new situations where the guy just gets out of a he gets out, like, It's kind of similar yeah. to Kyrie in that he gets out of a system and all of a sudden becomes a different, like that's where he becomes not the guy he's been, right? Like so, um, still sort of the same efficiency except adds layers to his game or just like shoots way more. So these are the things that are always a little hard to see coming because you can't really know exactly what the system's gonna do to a certain player. Uh, He's probably a little too expensive now And I'm really just interested in a lot of these Pacers. I have like Warren here. He was a pretty chalky player the other night. Like I said, I can live with Turner because the the Nets defense uh, in the interior is so bad. Love Sabonis for the same reason. Like they have no one that can deal with Sabonis if they're starting them together. I specifically said the Nets were gonna have problems with this team in particular. It was them, the Sixers, and teams like the Lakers the Nets are not equipped to deal with teams like this. Um, They've had trouble with even marginal inside games to start the season, and this is a whole new thing. So I think just stacking Turner and Sabonis to me uh, in cash makes sense. I think you have plenty of floor between those two guys because the Nets have really no way uh, to handle them. All right, let's get into the eight o'clock games. Portland goes in and plays OKC. Portland's already playing pretty uh, shorthanded. They started the season without Nurkic. They now lost Zach Collins for the foreseeable future. They ended up starting Anthony Tolliver at power forward, though he ceded some minutes to Hazonia off the bench. It really has just meant mostly that CJ McCollum and Damian Lillard are just doing everything for this team right now. So I don't know if we see them as candidates to play 37 to 38 minutes a game going forward as well. I feel like we have a lot of these guys to start the season. The NBA is kind of just pretty cutthroat at this point. Like you can't, just be like well we'll see how we do against the Warriors in the playoffs like everyone kind of has a chance and some of these teams are just not going to make the playoffs like they have to be going for it in a way that we haven't seen before and I think that's also shifted the landscape here how do you feel about like our minutes floors on guys like Lillard and McCollum because they're they're just playing a ton of minutes too and
1: they're awesome yeah I think Lillard is now appropriately priced for the increase in minutes uh he's up near 10,000 on FanDuel I don't know if I would want to go there but man McCollum, 6,900 that's pretty juicy like we've seen him even without the increased usage in the mid 7,000s and and played him in good matchups at that point uh OKC it's going to be tough to make heads or tails of them until we get a few more games in uh you know just incredible roster turnover um yeah, you just there's just no way to know at this point. I will say they have a very high defensive efficiency rating early on. They're a top six defense, but again, it's over three games, right? So it's going to be tough to know exactly where they're going to shake out. Um, you know, it, it is interesting, though, running the backcourt against OKC now because between Paul and Shea, that's a pretty good backcourt defense, right? Like Of all the teams that would be designed to sort of contain Lillard and McCollum, like it, you you might just start with Paul and SGA right so it's a it is an interesting matchup from that perspective but I still think matchup aside that McCollum is just too good to be priced 6900 if he's going to be playing uh, you know, mid thirties to high thirties minutes on this level of usage. So I'm all in on my column. I don't think I would want to run Lillard. Done. Yeah,
0: I agree with you. And on the OKC side, you mentioned SGA and Paul uh, Gilja, Alexander Zoloty. Really the only guy I have interest from a fantasy perspective. Chris Paul looks pretty cooked fantasy wise, at least to start the season. So uh, between the new sure. the new scheme, um, just they don't really want to play him a ton of minutes. I think they're trying to trade. they you know they probably still want to trade him. I don't. Uh, I've had to really have downward guidance on his projection because I'm pretty uh, pretty bearish on Paul going forward right now. Could just be a motivation thing. The yes. guy, the guy just probably just doesn't even want to be in OKC. I hate to say that about a guy, but I I wouldn't blame him. I'm sure he just doesn't want to be there. So, um, uh, all the reasons there. I'm just not all that interested in OKC. the game they project to keep the game close. Uh, third eight o'clock game. Or excuse me. Second eight o'clock game is the Rockets going to play Washington eight point road favorites. Our boy James Harden has had a real rough start to, to start the season here. Fifteen percent, fifteen percent shooting from three, even though the volume has been totally insane. Um, he's shooting only thirty percent from the field, even though the minutes are mostly there at thirty-six. The volume having Russell Westbrook has not cut. He hasn't not cut into the volume at all uh for Harden that he just hasn't been able to hit a shot do you think we could be still be buying is there like a chance we're buying low on this shot just eventually falling because if he has like one of his like just heat check kind of games he's going to destroy these prices and I'm also your you know thoughts here on Westbrook where you know Westbrook is still just kind of like has the triple double in him I didn't think I personally did not see that coming uh with the triple double stuff just because I thought Harden would I don't know just be around enough and the
1: volume would just really wouldn't be there but Russ has been able to put it together what are your thoughts here on Houston? Yeah, Houston is a very, very strange team to me right now. I think Harden is $1,000 too cheap based on what we've seen usage-wise so far. There's just absolutely no reason to believe. And this is where the early season sample size will absolutely play tricks on your mind. There's no reason to believe that he would go from being lock-solid 37 38% three-point shooter to being half that or worse, right? Like, that's a complete joke. He's arguably getting better looks than he was with Westbrook. And the other thing is he's been... Totally unafraid of getting to the line. Harden getting to the line 16 times a game this season. So you take all that together, and I think you actually have potential breakout coming for Harden. I I think he could be back in the mid-30s points per game. Uh, He is getting those good looks, and the assist numbers haven't been down either. He's got 8.7 assists per game too. So, yeah, I think from top to bottom, uh, the Harden resurgence is coming. I would You know, sometimes guys, you know, we talked about a few of them already, you know, SGA, Brogdon, some of these guys, they're gonna move into new roles and you know be better or be worse, whatever. Harden is not one of those guys. We have ten years of Harden in the NBA. We know he's good at these things. And unless he's hurt, which we have no reason to believe that he is, it will come back. So, yes, buy on Harden right now. He's too cheap. It's very rare that you get superstars this cheap. If and if you think about it differently, Imagine last year he had a three game stretch where he shot 15% from three. You wouldn't even mention it unless you were stupid. (laughs) So, um, just because those games happen to cluster at the beginning of the season uh, just means nothing to me. If the usage were down, I'd be concerned. If the time of possession were down, I'd be concerned. That hasn't been the case. So, I am a buyer. The only
0: thing that's down a little bit is the rebounds, but he makes up for in the usage. If you told me that he was going to average, if he was going to put up basically the same numbers outside of like the efficiency issues, and also, the Rockets are going to be able to sustain another guy that was averaging a triple double to start the season. at Westbrook, I was like, like <laughs> this is just these numbers are nuts. I, like this is just it's crazy that yeah. it's kind of working. Um, not that interested really in much here on the uh, Washington side unless uh, they, they stay close. And then Beal plays a lot. Beal actually struggled from the field a little bit too. Price might be down a little, bit. we're going to start running along. So I want to finish up these last three games. Charlotte goes in and plays Sacramento. Sacramento without Marvin Bagley Jr. Um, and has now the, the, Luke Walton screwed around with the rotation to start the season though finally they saw guys like fox healed Bijalika, um and harrison barnes finally play just play regular minutes didn't win the game but at least they stayed close so congrats uh are, can we can we be deadman is the one guy that has lost minutes Rashawn holmes played a lot of minutes off the bench might see a starting lineup change here can we beat? can we call the kings at least safeish for the short term on their minutes it feels like new coach same kind of problems with their rotations
1: Yeah, dude, I I don't know how close I want to go on the Kings ever being safe. I mean, they have been about as bad as mathematically possible, especially compared to expectations. And this, I'm hoping that sample size isn't playing a trick on my mind right now, but the fact that they have, I mean, they have a worse point differential than your Hornets right now. They have a minus 19.5 point differential per game, which is, again, close to mathematically impossible. I will say... There are almost no matchups where I would consider playing any Kings, but the Hornets might be one of them. So, you know, in those events where, I mean, they're four-point favorites right now, which, again, is really saying something for a team that's lost by an average of 20 points a game. Um, But the fact that they're four-point favorites leads me to believe that they're going to be especially motivated to go out and grab that first win of the season at home against who should be the league's worst team. I think this is the the Sacramento game. So I would be comfortable playing the Sacramento guys, particularly, as you say, uh, since Bagley will be out. Uh, bijelica at 4,900 seems particularly attractive given that he's coming off a game where he paid this price and honestly we just have no idea what the Kings want to do with their rotations yet because they just haven't played in close games so uh, if this rates to be the close game I think you can double down on the starters now all coming cheap after a tough four games to start the season so um, yeah certainly Bjellica potentially Fox although he's now pretty expensive but But he healed at 6,700 could be a value too. I think there could be a potentially decent amount of value kicking around here.
0: Yeah, uh, I wrote up Fox. I like that play. uh, And like wrote up Easley too. All right. Ten o'clock. Clippers going to play Utah. A game that you're from a basketball perspective, you're going to want to turn tune into. Clip oh, yeah. Clippers. Uh, they did lose to the Suns somehow, which felt, felt kind of out of nowhere after looking really love the Suns. The, Suns are so fun. Suns have been very feisty. They all, Suns have a plus point eight point seven point differential. We're going to get to them in a second, um, and really should have beaten the Jazz this this, this very same Jazz team the other night, and they got screwed at the end for a couple different reasons. I thought because I watched the end of the game anyway. Suns are feisty. Now I will say, watch out for the Jazz because the Jazz are three and one to start the season with a good points differential, and Conley has been as bad as you could ever hope this guy was going to be when they brought him over in a trade. He's shooting 15% from three, uh, he's shooting 20% from the field. He's deferring in a weird way. Um, that's just not going to last. Is it? Is it time to buy low on Conley here? Um, he's very cheap on FanDuel. You have to believe he's the plan is like him just kind of just being the point guard. There's no reason to suspect he's not not a great matchup with the Clippers, but I feel like we're buying so low. Like he's cheaper than Rubio. He's cheaper than, I don't know, he's cheaper than Chris Paul. Like, I don't know. Like Conley took a million shots the first game. It didn't kind of work out. He's in our top overall FanDuel lineup. What are your thoughts on him? He's been so bad to start the season.
1: I don't want to play Conley and it's not for the reasons that some people might think. Um, So the major reason I don't want to play Conley is I don't know why he's not shooting the ball as often. Uh, that's really, like, missing shots, everyone misses shots. And like I said about Harden, if you were to say last year that Conley went for a 3-for-20 stretch from 3, uh, which is what he's on so far, it would be completely meaningless. It would barely even touch his percentages and so on. You know, we're talking about, what is it, like 5% of the season or something like that, meaningless. The fact that he averaged 16 shots a game last year and is only on 11 shots this year is pretty problematic. Now, I will say there is some context there. Uh, Foul trouble against Phoenix, which you didn't love to see. And just whenever you're 0 I feel like that can really affect guys. Um, But even in those games where he played more minutes, you know, like the LA game, played 31 minutes, wasn't in foul trouble, just played bad, was bad, couldn't stay on the court. So I would really prefer to not play Conley here. I think I don't feel the need to be a game early on him because I think even if he has one good game, like, if he has a good game and he just looks exactly like the Conley of last year, shoots 16 times, scores like 35 to 40 fantasy points, it's not like his price is going to jump to 8000 right away, and I think I can cash in then. I don't feel inclined at all to run him out there against Patrick Beverly, who, you know, again, if I don't know how much you read in the NBA subreddit, but just some hilarious stuff about Patrick Beverly, like, taunting opposing janitors and, you know, telling the, making fun of fans for leaving games early. Like, he just seems on a whirlwind tour. He told Steph Curry that the next five years are ours, like, stuff like that, um, which, again, good luck if the big guys actually don't stay there. But uh, nonetheless, I think he's a, he's not the guy you want to try to get right against. <laughs> it's because of the uh, incredible defense and mental instability. So, yeah, I don't think I'm going to run Conley tonight. And I I... I know the price is cheap, so I don't know. Curry had a great response to the
0: Beverly thing because Beverly was like, look, you're nothing without Clay and Durant. And he's like, hey, dude, you'd be nothing except for Kawhi and Paul George shut up there. So I think you can like just <laughs> you can shut up with a who's going to be what for, for something by who else is around. So I thought it was a pretty good retort. Speaking of Steph Curry, final game on the slate, Golden State is hosting mm-hmm. the Feisty Suns Golden State finally gets off the schneid the other day. Um, looked real bad this of the season. They ended up uh, mixing up their starting lineup. Started Draymond at the 5 and started Jordan Poole. at the. I'm going to call it the 2, but it's really the 2-3 because it was Curry, uh, Russell, and Jordan Poole. They started Glenn Robinson and, and Draymond. They went really small, and they just looked sort of like vintage warriors. A lot of ball movement. Uh, Draymond himself put up an easy triple-double with 16-17-10 in that game. Um, was basically just doing it all. Uh, I feel like Draymond's a lock for cash games here I love Curry in cash games I think he's, um, I think they're still going to want to play him a decent amount of minutes it was just, I know that game looked close but New Orleans made a like late run with the with the bench in the 4th quarter this game was well over the starters sat the 4th quarter basically um, thoughts on the Warriors here I bumped Draymond through the roof this is going to be what they're going to do starting him at the 5 um, I think that the numbers are just going to sort of maintain like this because they're going to start playing this old style Thoughts, final thoughts here on the
1: Warriors before we get out of here uh, yeah, I can see playing some Warriors today. I think the Suns are kind of another funny team. It's sort of difficult to evaluate what they've done early this season. Obviously, there's some change in personnel, uh, both you know optional in the acquisition of Rubio, uh, mandatory in the suspension of Ayton. But one thing the Suns have not been this year is bad on defense. Yeah. Uh, the Suns right now top seven defensive efficiency, so you know that can be one of those things that does often tend to normalize pretty quickly, and they're also not playing the same breakneck pace that they have played in the past either. They're about middle of the pack in terms of pace. So the Suns not the matchup of old, where you'd get top five pace, bottom five defensive. Efficiency. Well, you know who is
0: that matchup I think at the very least? That matchup right now is the war. What's that, that? that matchup now is the Warriors. The, warrior, the yeah, Warriors, right. are, the Warriors are the Warriors are the Suns. Yeah. Like the Warriors are, are playing the very worst, yeah, yeah. The worst defensive efficiency in the league, and they're playing a top four pace. Like so, the Warriors have just become the Suns. So maybe yep. it's just the Suns we should be playing.
1: Playing Rubio and Booker and, <laughs> and Kaminsky going. the yeah, other Yeah, it's way. crazy to think, but you might be right. I mean, I, I certainly wouldn't mind playing Booker here. I think you know you might still run into problems if you're trying to pay uh, bigs, and swingmen against the Warriors. But in terms of guards and stuff, like if Draymond's not covering you, I'm not scared. Is my general position on running guys against the Warriors. So I could see, honestly, playing both sides of this game. I think you pointed out excellent value on the Warriors side. I think they're going to be motivated to have a really, really strong game here at home. I don't know what their ambitions are, but if their ambitions still are the playoffs, they better start winning some games because that West Western Conference is absolutely insane, especially if some of these teams that you thought were write-offs, like the Suns, are going to be frisky or like OKC positive point differential in spite of being one and three so far so um yeah just a lot of just a lot of good teams out there and it's no sure thing some dallas has been as every bit as good as people thought they might be uh with luca and and chris so uh if the the timberwolves are actually going to be relevant the spurs are undefeated like the the playoffs are no easy thing so anyway uh Mm -hmm. golden state should be hyper motivated here and you know, against one of the tough teams in the West and the Suns. Yeah. I think it could be a fun back and forth the affair.
0: Feisty Suns. We're going to get out of here. DFSR.com slash deals will get you started on our projection system that we've been mentioning. Uh, that's Optimal lineups for FanDuel and DraftKings. It's been a phenomenal start to the season. This has been our, you know, we've been good at every sport, I think, and basketball, we've been the best. Um, I just don't, there's no other way to put it. So DFSR.com slash deals will get you started. It covers you for all our projection system under one blanket. We're not going to section it off by provider or Slater, whoever wrote the stupid article, um, like some of these other sites do where they just want to sell you all this different stuff now we don't do that if we just we have it on our site one membership package you get it you're all good to go buddy enjoy trick-or-treating i'm gonna be absolutely crushing it on basketball tonight i believe buddy i believe Peace.